our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement project, your do-it-yourself dilemma. The number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. We are in that very fun time now between the major holidays of Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas or whatever else you celebrate at the end of the year. And so now's a good time to think about some improvement projects that you can get done quickly, say within a day or two, to fix up your house for the next year, for 2011. I mean, what's on your to-do list? Let's get a jump on it right now. We are here to help. The number is one 888 Money pit. Now, there are some improvements that you can put off, and there are other repairs that you just can't let go. And repairing cracks in concrete is one of them. You know, the longer you wait, the bigger that project is going to get. So we've got some tips this hour to make that project go very, very smoothly. We're going to show you how in just a bit. And since we're spending more time indoors this time of year, you might be starting to notice some things around your house that just don't seem right, you know, like nail pops, cracks, or even gaps in your walls. You know, it could be showing your home's age, but don't worry because most of the time these are just cosmetic issues and they're easily fixed and they'll stay fixed if you do it right. So coming up, we've got the right tools and techniques to help you with this project. And Leslie, it is once again time to roll out the holly. Get those holly decorations out early so you can enjoy them all season long. So we've got some tips on safe and sound decorating coming up. Plus, we've got a great prize to give away this hour, which... It's pretty awesome, and you might want to keep it for yourself, or you might want to gift it. We've got the Stanley 3-in-1 Tripod Flashlight. It's a prize worth about 30 bucks, and it really does make a great gift, even if it's a gift for yourself. Gift or re-gift doesn't matter. Great prize going to go out to one caller who reaches us with their home improvement question. The number is one 888 888-666-3974. And the phones are lighting up like a Christmas tree, so let's get right to it. Leslie, who's first? All right, we've got Renee from North Carolina on the line who's looking to update some finishes. What can we do for you today? Our home was built in the 80s. Everything, all the finishes in our home are brass, down to our doorknobs, light fixtures, and hinges on our doors. I'd like to update some of those finishes. Obviously, I can't change everything out. Um, What is the best metal to go to when you want to update your home, but you are not able to do everything. 
Hmm. Well, you'd actually be surprised to hear that brass is kind of making a comeback. <laughs> so you kind of hang in there. <laughs> but not at Renee's house. <laughs> right? I know you're probably yeah. so tired of it, but it's actually seeing a resurgence, the sort of high polished brass, even an antique brass. But I think a lot of people are leaning towards antique bronzes or that oil rubbed bronze, which has like a blackish sort of antique finish to it that looks kind of neutral, if you will. Um, I feel like something that's not so shiny is a little bit better to stand the test of time, more like a satin nickel or something in the silver family that doesn't have too much of a sheen to it. With faucets and fixtures, you want to make sure that whatever color that you go with has a coating on it that will allow that finish to really stand the test of time. Because sometimes faucets, whether they're for a sink or a tub, you know, they can be on the higher end price wise. And you want to make sure that that finish isn't going to rub off or wear over time or start to, you know, change its patina as it ages. I don't think you need to do everything at once. But I will say that if you do tackle anything, tackle it as a suite, handle an entire bathroom at once. You know, don't sort of leave a brass fixture and then, you know, add a satin nickel faucet because it's going to seem kind of weird. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Renee. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Russ in Maine needs some help making a home purchase. How can we help you with that big purchase? Hi, uh, I I have some questions about radiant heat. Um, I'm looking at a, a home on a lake or, as we would say in Maine here, a camp, everything's okay. a camp, whether it's uh, 4,000 square feet or not. And the people who own it have been going to Florida in the winter for the last uh, probably five or six years. Okay. And for the first few, they would they kept kept it warm in the winter. and But for the last couple of years, they've, they've shut it all down and pickled it. And so I want to make sure when I go look at this that I'm looking at all the right things to make sure that um, – you know, I'm not stepping into a broken system. Is the heat on now, or is it not on? Uh, this time of year, they, they also have a, a gas stove, and, and they may be using just that. So um, I don't know if they're using that or not. Okay, well, look, you're not going to be able to tell whether or not the radiant heat is functioning properly unless, unless it, in, in fact, is turned on. So whatever you do in terms of uh, buying or not buying this house, you need a contingency that says... At some point before closing, and hopefully well before closing, that heat has to be turned back on and thoroughly checked out by a professional because there's just absolutely no way that you can sit there and stare at those floors and know if the water is is traveling through those pipes the way it should be with no breaks or cracks or leaks. Because I will tell you that radiant heat is fantastic. It's wonderful heat to have until it breaks, and then it's quite a job. a huge fix. Quite a job to get it fixed. All right. Well, thank you very much for the help. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Let us be part of your holiday home improvements. Give us a call and we'll help you get your house in tip-top shape since the big holidays are upon us. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. We'd love to give you a hand. 888-666-3974. Up next, concrete is a very durable material that can even hold water as long as it's intact. But if you've got cracks in the concrete surface of a pool, a basement wall, or a bird mountain, we've got the info to plug that leak for good, and that's next. The 
The Money Pit is brought to you by Thermatrue Doors, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. Thermatrue Doors are Energy Star qualified and provide up to five times the insulation of a wood door. To learn more, visit Thermatrue.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we'd love for you to be part of the Money Pit. So pick up the phone and give us a call at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. And this hour, not only are you going to get an answer to your home improvement question, but we're giving away a great prize to one lucky caller inner. We've got the three-in-one LED tripod flashlight. It's from our friends over at Stanley. And it's got a really cool hands-free tripod design. And it's got three flashlights that you can sort of take apart and use them separately or join their forces and make one super powerful flashlight. The lenses are shatterproof, so it's great for your home improvement projects or toddlers, depending on what you've got going on at your house. It's worth about 30 bucks, but you can win yours for free if we pick you at random from the Money Pit hard hat this hour. So give us a call at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. This would make an awesome gift. Leslie, if anyone's asking oh, what I'd like uh, for the holiday season. Do I need to be taking a note for Tom's Christmas gift this year? my <laughs> list. No, seriously, <laughs> I took uh, one of these Stanley 3-in-1s to the Boy Scout Jamboree this past summer. 45,000 scouts in one campsite. We needed a lot of flashlights, and this was an absolute must-have for experience like that. It's also real handy. We used it over at a, at a house that we own where I had to do a repair under a kitchen sink. No problem. Just set it up and it illuminated the whole thing because it comes with its own tripod stand. So it worked really, really well. Going to go out to one call that reaches us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Well, concrete and masonry are both very durable construction materials that can last a long time and hold up to the elements. But the experts at Quickrete tell us that despite the best construction methods, any concrete construction can eventually develop cracks. And once you've got a crack. You need to worry about leaks, and then it's a vicious cycle because the leak will make the crack bigger. So the sooner you can fix the crack, the better. Now, if those cracks happen to be in your basement and on the basement wall, you want to first make sure that the water is generally draining away from your foundation and not coming into your basement. Then you can tackle that repair. Now, a good product for this job is Quickrete Hydraulic Water Stop Cement. It sets in minutes, and it's designed to plug those leaks in concrete and masonry instantly. Now, you can use it above or below grade, so that's great. And when you're repairing a crack, you actually have to make that crack bigger first with a hammer and a chisel. And that's psychologically difficult to do. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Because you don't want to make it any bigger. But if you don't widen it out, then the concrete repair material doesn't have anything to kind of grab onto. Exactly. So if you're dealing with, you know, a sort of thin crack, you want to widen it to about three quarters of an inch deep and the same width. That's truly the best. Then you want to be sure to get all of that loose material out with a wire brush. And then the Quickrete Hydraulic Water Stop Cement should be mixed to a dough-like consistency. And then you push it into the cracks. And once it dries, you're all set, literally. And if you want more tips on how to repair projects just like this, you can log on to quickcrete.com. Or pick up the phone and give us a call right now with your question. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. Brandy in California is calling in about a sprinkler issue. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, we have this issue with our sprinklers when they go on and when they switch from the front sprinklers to the back sprinklers. Um, it makes a loud knocking sound, so loud that it wakes us up in the middle of the night. And we just want to figure out how to fix it. What does it sound like? What does it sound like? Just like um, like if you hit the wall. 
<laughs> a loud, just one loud knock. Okay. Well, it's probably the valves. Okay, uh, that's what we thought. Yeah, there's a valve that that basically, uh, because of a timer, basically takes one. You know, one zone goes on, then the valve shuts that one off. Another one comes on. So I'm sure it's the valve that's uh, clanking on and clanking off. What you could do is you could uh, manually turn on the zones and see if you can replicate that sound and certainly could identify which valve is making the noise and replace it. It shouldn't be a big deal. Oh, okay. So just replace the valve? Yeah, replace the, that part of the control. Okay. It should be a minor repair for, for a sprinkler contractor. Okay. Huh, okay. So we'll look into that. Um, is there anything else that could be causing it? No, I think that's it. I mean, you're seeing a switching from front to back. It's basically going from one zone to the next. That's when you hear the sound. Uh, and that's obviously when the valve is, is opening up. Okay. And aside from it just waking us up, is there any other problems it could cause? No. Nope. nope. Just a lack of sleep. <laughs> Which is a problem. All right, enough so nothing itself. to worry about. We don't have to worry about any pipes bursting or. Uh, if anything. you had a burst pipe, you would know it because there'd be water everywhere. Okay. Donna in Texas is dealing with the moldy smell coming from a crawl space. Tell us about it. Yeah, when we bought our house about three or four months ago, we noticed as we were looking at the house and then after we moved into the house that there's just really a pretty significant odor when you come into the house and it is uh, just kind of a moldy, mildewy old house smell. The house was built in about 84 and it's got pure and beam. It's pure and beam, obviously. And that's not that old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not that old to be smelling that old. Let me right, tell you exactly. now. Now, what's it built on? Is it on a crawl space? Yes, it's got a pretty good size crawl space mm -hmm. under there. It's probably about four foot three feet, four foot uh, tall. Right. Um, it's on the slope, so it does get some drainage from mm -hmm. other areas, which mm -hmm. we have worked to um, move to, you know, where it doesn't come in that much to the house. Right. And there so, were French drains in place when we first got here, but we think they probably have been... Um, kind of eaten through by roots and things out there in the yard mm -hmm. are actually going to dig those up because I think they're just not working anymore, quite frankly. Well, I mean, generally the situation when you get a mold or a musty smell coming from a crawl space that sort of inundates the house, it just means that you've got a moisture issue and you know this. So what you really need to do is address the moisture outside and you're right spot on to look at this French drain and see what's going on and see what's happening with the root system. But also, I mean kind of a first step would be check your gutters. Make sure that you have gutters on this house. Make sure that you have downspouts, that the downspouts and the gutters aren't clogged. And then you want to look where the downspouts deposit that water. You know, are they connected to that drainage system? Are they buried underground? You know, you want to make sure that everything's connected and that the downspout doesn't just drop the water right next to the foundation with one of those splash guards. You really want it to move that that water maybe four feet, five feet away from that foundation wall just to get it away from that house. Then you also want to look at the grading. You know, you said there's a slope. So look at all the flower beds and whatever soil is around the perimeter of the foundation and make sure that it slopes away from the house. And you want like a gradual slope so you can go down maybe six inches over four feet and that'll do a great job of moving that water away. Now with crawl spaces, Tom, you can get a 
crawl space dehumidifier or, or even a humidistat for down there, right? Well, yeah. What you would do is you would uh, put a fan into the crawl space vent, and there are fans that are actually made to fit inside the crawl space vent. And that okay. is hooked up to a humidistat so that whenever the humidity gets high in the crawl space, it comes on. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I think you might have solved our problem then. <laughs> well, we're, we're happy to help. Donna, thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Tim in Delaware needs some help with an insulation question. What can we do for you? Well, I have a basement crawl space, and I want, what's the best way to insulate it? Right now, it's just nothing there. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a crawl space or a basement? It's actually a, um, a, a on one side I have a full walk-in basement. Okay. And on the other side, there's actually a crawl space. So it's like a half-finished basement, but I can see looking okay. into the other side. It's like a crawl space. All right. In the crawl space area, you should insulate the floor from below. So if you have like two by eight floor joists, you should put uh, eight inch thick bats of fiberglass insulation in there. And they can be held up with uh, insulation supports, which look like kind of small wires that sort of get springy in between the floor joists. I've seen seen those. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to insulate that. As far as the basement. There's some pipes down there. um, Not necessary. Not generally not necessary to insulate the pipes. Yeah, mm-hmm. but insulating the floor is going to make you a lot more comfortable upstairs. I have oil heat, oil like okay. steam heat, I guess. Right. Is that going to be okay? Sure, I don't see why not. Now, as far as the basement, uh, the only place you really need to insulate an unfinished basement is the box choice, which is above the wall all the way around. If you decide to put walls in, like finished walls, and you're going to frame them out, then you could put insulation in the framed walls. But other than that, um, you should just insulate the box choice right above the foundation. Now, I've seen a place where they've actually taken, like, um, plastic, and they've staple gunned it between the joists after they put the um, insulation on. Is that recommended or no? No, I would not do that because uh, if you're talking about the crawl space, the vapor barrier goes between the insulation and the living space, which means it would be above the insulation against the underside of the floor and not below it. All right. Because if you put it below it, you're going to trap moisture in that space. And you're going to reduce the R value. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I think that'll do it for me. That's that's all there is to it. There's nothing just besides that. That's nothing in nope. the trick they got to do. Nope. It's a good project and one you can get done in a weekend. Sounds great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Like it sounds like Tim wanted it to be more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's that's <laughs> oh. pretty straightforward. You want to be careful with the insulation. Obviously, you want to wear a dust mask and long sleeves and gloves and safety glasses. But insulation project is. Not that hard to do. And, you know, some insulation products today, um, they have a different sort of weave to them. So they're not really as stringy as the old-fashioned fiberglass used to be. They're more like a wool. Hmm. Encapsulated insulation, it's called. Interesting. Yep. Easy easy project and very cost-effective and a great return on investment. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, nail pops, cracks, and gaps, all are wall issues that show the signs of a home's age. Well, the good news is they're not at all hard to repair if you've got the right tools and the techniques to do the job. Coming up, This Old House contractor Tom Silva is joining us with the tips and the tricks. And today's This Old House segment is brought to you by Tree Wax. Tree Wax, all-natural hardwood floor cleaner. We'll be back with tips from Tom Silva next. On the Money Pit Radio Show. Pick up the telephone. Fix up your home sweet home. By calling 888-MONEY-PIT. 
the Money Pit is brought to you by SnowblowersDirect.com. Thinking about getting a snowblower? Check out SnowblowersDirect.com's interactive buying guides, recommendations, and customer reviews. Snowblower experts are available to help you pick the perfect snowblower. Visit SnowblowersDirect.com. Where home solutions live. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement project. Your do-it-yourself dilemma. The number is one eight 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 money pit And if you use your garage as a second entryway into your home, you might want to think about making that space a little more homey with paint. Find out how to do this project when you visit moneypit.com and search painting garage walls for a warmer welcome. That's online at moneypit.com. Let's get back to the phones. Howard in Texas lost a skylight to an unfortunate hailstorm, and you're thinking about replacing it. How can we help you with that project? Well, I have to replace it. Well, and yeah. My question is, I had a bubble-type skylight, and I'm wondering if that's what I should replace it with, or should I go with a more flat surface on a skylight? Yeah, you know, I'm surprised the bubble skylight lasted that long, Howard. They're really not very good skylights. The they're, bubbles? They're, they're very minimal in terms of quality. And they frequently leak or they get foggy. So I would definitely not replace it with a bubble light again. What I would use is either an Anderson, a Pella, or a Velox, all great brands. And what I like about all of them is that they have a mechanical flashing system. So they don't rely on adhesives to seal them to the roof and remain leak-free. You install it much like you install a roof. Can you, with a skylight, get your glass to be impact-resistant since Texas is known to be a storm kind of area? Absolutely. I mean, you certainly could order that. It will be a more expensive skylight that way, but you certainly could order impact-resistant glass in the skylight. Okay. So Anderson, Vela, or what was the third? Velux, V-E-L-U-X, all great brands. V-E-L-U-X. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Howard. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, if you've got cracks, holes, nail pops, which are showing your home's age, your walls could probably use a little TLC. And the good news is that's something that you probably can do yourself because drywall repair is a fairly easy DIY project if you use the right materials. Joining us now with tips on how to do just that is this old house general contractor, Tom Silva. Hey, Tommy. Hey, how are you? Nice to be here. Now, listen, drywall repairs got to be one of the most common home maintenance chores that we have to take on as homeowners. I mean, as durable as we'd like our walls to be, they really do take the dents and the dings pretty easily, not to mention all of the cracks and the nail pops that open up <laughs> from the movement of the walls in the house, just the sort of life that the house has all by itself. Um, but you can fix them, and it's not that hard to do. Can you give us some tips? It's not that hard to do. There are three most common types of repairs that are needed, like nail popping, holes. You can take a picture off a wall, or maybe a kid threw something at the wall, <laughs> a ball right. or something, and some cracks from the house moving. All right, well, let's start by talking about the nail pops, because this is the one that I think fascinates most people. Uh, the nails that hold the drywall in place actually do move, and they'll back out of the hole that they were originally driven into. Yeah, they can actually pop out of the wall. A screw can do the same thing. Lots of times that nail will pop because it doesn't hit the stud correctly, or it just gets the size and wings by it, and it will pop out. And you know that these are nail pops generally because you're going to see them in a vertical line, they're going to be exactly where that stud is. So that's Mm -hmm. pretty much the signal that that's what it is, right? Exactly. So what I like to do is I actually pull the nails out, but I put another nail right beside it. I make sure that it goes into the stud. I don't want that nail to back out at all. I also want to make sure I use a ring shank nail or a screw. Okay. All right. And then you want to cover that hole with a spackle. 
or a joint compound. All right. Now, what about cracks? Because those are things that when people see them, they think, oh, my God. Yeah, they get nervous. They're nervous. They think their house is falling in around them. But uh, that kind of movement also can be fairly normal in a house. Absolutely. Sometimes you get cracking in the corner. You'll get it over the corner or the edges of doors, over the headers of windows and stuff like that. And that uh, just basic movement of the house, the temperature changes, the frost, the cold, the heat, the wind, all those kind of things moves your house. And to fix those, uh, I like to scrape out the crack a little bit. Uh, put some compound in it and tape over the crack with a good heavy fiberglass mesh tape and then a couple of layers of joint compound on top of that, sand it, and the problem solved. Now, the fiberglass tape, is that perforated tape? Because one of the tricky parts of using the old paper tape is getting that even layer of plaster underneath, correct? But the fiberglass tape eliminates all that. Right. A lot of people, when they use the paper tape, they put it on top of the joint compound, but the joint compound may have set up a little bit, and it's a little dry. You don't get good adhesion, so the paper tape will bubble off. Now, what about when you're dealing with a hole in the drywall? Does it matter the size of the hole, the method of repairing, or is there really one plan of attack for everything? I have a special way of dealing with a hole. I don't, I basically cut my patch and I make my patch fit the hole. So I cut a patch, I hold it on the wall, I scribe around it. I cut the hole, and then my patch fits perfectly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you open up the wall to fit the patch. Exactly, exactly. So I find an old scrap piece of drywall around, maybe from an old window opening. Or I go to Lumbiad, maybe you find a piece there, or even an old job site. I basically put a couple of uh, pieces of strapping in behind the wall, put my hand in the hole, and just put it up against it and screw a screw right through it, right through the drywall into the strapping. And then I slide my patch into place. And I take an old screen wire out of an old screen or even some fiberglass tape, put it around the hole, mud it in and sand it and a couple of layers of joint compound and patch it. The hole is done. We're talking to Tom Silva, the general contractor from TV's This Old House. Now, Tom, you mentioned before spackle and joint compound. Is there a difference or are they interchangeable? Well, you can use both, but I think spackle is more for a smaller job. Okay. And joint compound comes in five-gallon buckets. You can do a whole house with a bunch of five-gallon buckets. Plus, they make a great place to sit down and eat lunch on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom Silva from TV's This Old House. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. It is my pleasure. For more tips and a step-by-step article on how to take care of the walls in your home, visit thisoldhouse.com. And you can always watch Tommy and the entire This Old House team on This Old House and Ask This Old House on your local PBS station. And Ask This Old House is brought to you by Bostitch. Quality, durability, and reliability. That's Bostitch. Up next, newsflash, it's less than a month until Christmas. But not to worry, we'll have your safe and sound holiday decorating tips after this. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you should pick up the phone and call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT because we've got a great reason for you to do just that. We're giving away the 3-in-1 LED tripod flashlight from Stanley. It is absolutely my favorite flashlight I've ever had. It's got a hands-free tripod design with three flashlights that can be used separately or as one powerful light. The lenses are totally shatterproof. It's worth about 30 bucks, but you can win yours if we pick your name at random from the callers who get on the air with us this hour. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, and this would make a fantastic holiday gift. In fact, we've got a list of great holiday gifts for all those handy folks in your life online right now at moneypit.com. Just look for the Holiday Gift Guide. 
All right. And speaking of the holidays, you know, really, this weekend is the perfect time to pull out all of your holiday decorations and get your home super festive for the holiday season. But before you deck the halls and trim the tree, follow this advice for safe decorating. First of all, before you get at all of those holiday lights and start decorating everything, make sure you test them indoors and out. Make sure that they're all working and make sure that the lights themselves are marked with a UL label, which stands for Underwriters Laboratories, and it gives the seal of approval. Approval. And if you're using them outside, make sure they're marked for outdoor usage if that's where you're going to use them. If you try to put indoor ones out there, they're going to short. They're never going to work. And then you want to make sure that each strand is clear of damaged and frayed wires. And if you really have any doubts about the strand or it's kind of flickering or doing something weird, just throw them out, or if you can recycle them in your area, go ahead and do so. And remember that those strands of lights, they've become so inexpensive that it's best to be safe and just get yourself a new strand. I mean, really, why take a risk? Yeah, that's right. But on the box of those strands of light, there's always one very misleading statement. It says, lights stay on if one goes out. Right. Well, the truth (laughs) is, yes, they'll stay on if the light bulb burns out, but that almost never happens. What typically happens is those bulbs get loose in the socket. And if the bulb gets loose in the socket, guess what? The whole string goes dead. So if you find out that you have a strand that's not lighting, you want to gently press each bulb in to make sure that it's secure. I cannot tell you how many times I have saved strands of light by doing just that. Because think about it, as you wrap them up, take them off the tree at the end of last year, they may tend to loosen up, but if you press them back in, it will work just fine. Now, to help with energy costs, you want to keep those outdoor light displays, you know, the kind that you can see from Mars, on a timer (laughs) so that they'll turn on and off on their own. And for inside light displays, just remember, folks, never leave the lights on when you're not at home. Some lights can become very hot to the touch. You never know when you're going to get a short circuit or something like that that could cause a fire hazard, especially with the dried out branches on the trees. So be safe and be merry at the same time. Jeff in South Carolina is dealing with some squeaky floors. Tell us about it. Um, This house I had built four years ago, it has uh, white oak uh, hardwood floors. And on two outside walls, um, they've started to creak a little bit. Um, it's not the uh, floor structure, which is a trust choice I-beams with uh, OSB subflooring. And I'm not sure if the subcontractor put the floor, put down any rosin paper or not. I wasn't there when they did that. So um, uh, this problem has really been ongoing, not just developed lately. All right. Well, listen, wood floors that are creaking in a four-year-old house is not the least bit unusual. Now, are these uh, finished floors like solid hardwood or is it plywood that's like under carpet or something of that nature? Oh, no, no. This is um, a, a white oak. Um, a white oak. Okay. white oak tongue groove, yeah. Okay. So you're going to have a fair amount of, of movement. What happens is, Jeff, you're going to get some shrinkage when it first goes down. You're going to get some movement. The nails that are holding that down to the uh, floor structure are going to loosen. You get two kinds of squeaks. You get a squeak where the, the tongue and the groove move together and rub together and cause friction. And you get a squeak when the nail sort of moves in and out of the wood. Now, I see. the only way to fix this is to secure the white oak boards better down to the subfloor and hopefully the floor joists below. So the basically to, you have to face nail them? No, well, you can face nail them or you could screw them with trim screws and you could plug them. So a trim screw would be a better option because it's a really it tiny screw permanent. and it's more firm. And once you put it in, it doesn't pull out. If it's a, you know kind of just one minor area, you can drive uh, a finish nail. You'd have to pre-drill this, but you can drive a finish nail like a number 10 or 12 or even bigger on a slight angle and make sure you go down through the oak floor and into the floor joist below. Mm 
and that will tighten that up. But the best thing to do is to use screws. And if you can't get trim screws, you can use regular screws. You're just going to have to counterbore it and plug it. So it's a bit of a wood finishing project. But I would tackle the, the noisiest, loosest areas first, secure those down, and then move from there. But it's going to be sort of ongoing. When you have a wood floor like that, it's not unusual for it to squeak. And those squeaks rarely mean that anything serious is happening structurally. So uh, I can either tackle the project or live with the squeak. Pretty much. <laughs> yep. Well, you folks, thank you so much. All right. Now we've got Francis from North Dakota on the line calling in about grading for our basement. What can we do for you? Hi, yes. I have an older home, and I have a large pine tree in the front yard, and I was wondering if it would be okay to put more soil around the uh, foundation of the home to grade it down to the curb of the street. Well, it's always a good idea to have positive drainage away from the foundation perimeter. If you're going to add soil and you're adding soil to improve your drainage, you want to add clean fill dirt, not topsoil, because topsoil will hold a lot of water. And just give you more moisture yeah. in that basement. Yeah, that's designed for planting. But, you know, clean fill dirt, that would be the hot ticket, and it's the least expensive way. And then after you're done with the grading, you can add a little bit of topsoil just to support some grass or, or some stone or whatever else you want to put on top of it. But you, you build it up with the clean fill first. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for your program. I listen to you all the time. You're very welcome, Francis. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, your dryer works day in and day out to keep the clean clothes coming, but it needs to be lint-free to keep it from becoming a serious fire hazard. And that means going further than just cleaning that lint trap. We've got tips on the easy way to get that project done next. On the Money Pit Radio Show. The Money Pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools, your trusted name in quality hand tools. To learn more about their complete line of quality tools and everything for your toolbox, visit stanleytools.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And MoneyPit.com is your one-stop resource for information on all your home improvement questions. We've got ideas. We've got solutions. And we have an entire community of home improvers standing by to help answer your questions. Because let's face it, we can't get to them all. But we've got a lot of help. And it's all online and free at MoneyPit.com. That's right. And you know what else is free? The answers to your questions. So while you're at moneypit.com, make sure you email us your question if you're feeling a little too shy to call in. And I've got an email here from Linda who writes, my dryer vent is running under my house that's built on a slab. Since it's such a long run, it's hard to clean the lint. I'm venting on the inside of the garage with a device that catches it in a large container with a small amount of water. Man, your garage must be super humid. Um, I have to keep emptying it, which I can do with no problem, but I'm wondering about the items stored in my garage like blankets and clothing will this device cause moisture damage in the walls and the stored items well yes i mean first of all you should not be venting your dryer into your garage under any circumstances because you're dumping all of that lint into the garage you're also dumping all of that moisture remember what's in the dryer vent the dryer exhaust duct is moisture it's steam it's humid air and once it hits that unconditioned chilly garage space, especially in the cold weather, it's going to condense, it'll get damp, you could grow mold, it's a real mess. So you really ought to think about rerouting that to the outside. The second thing is, you really need to keep it clean. 
there are thousands and thousands of dryer fires every single year. And if you don't clean out not only the lint trap on the dryer itself, but the entire run of dryer exhaust duct, it can become very, very dangerous and a very serious fire hazard. Yeah, it is true. And you know what? I mean, I know, Tom, you've helped me with this before, but with our house, even though we have such a short run, I've noticed that every so often my house coughs up, you know, a tumble lint, meaning that the dryer vent itself from the part in the wall to the exterior sometimes gets clogged. And Tom, you turned me on to a great product, which really does an awesome job of cleaning it out. What is it? The Gardas Lint Eater? Yes, it's the Lint Eater. Uh, their website is linteater.com. Basically a flexible brush on a uh, long fiberglass rod. You hook it up to your drill. You can feed it through the entire run of duct, and it really pulls out everything that's in there. You do that every six months, and you'll be totally safe. Really? Every six months? Yeah, I think so. Every six months. I mean, especially if you've got an active family like you do and like we do. Uh, we're really running that laundry you know, almost 24-7, it feels like, sometimes. Hmm. All right. Well, I hope that helps you out, Linda. And it really is actually a fun project to take on. You'll be amazed what comes out of that dryer vent. I mean, don't be embarrassed. There's a lot of lint in there, and it's kind of a, a good joke upon yourself when you see what comes out of there. Maybe, in fact, that missing sock is in there. All right. Dennis from New York writes, we live in a split level home. We find a large collection of dust every few days in the bedroom. The house in general is a dusty house. A new oil burner with an oil hot water system was installed last year. All year long, the dust accumulates on the furniture. What can we do? Um, well, if you installed uh, a new oil burner, and I'm assuming here that you have a forced air system, the one thing that you didn't install, Dennis, it sounds like is an electronic air cleaner. And you know, if you do that, you're going to find a major reduction in the amount of dust because all the system is going to do without good air filtration is recirculate it. You will get, because of condensation, you get different types of convective air loops. And so you'll very frequently get dust that will settle in one area and dirty a wall, for example, and not another area or dirty a carpet. So what I would think about doing is adding a good quality electronic air cleaner to the HVAC system. These air cleaners today are so good, they can take out even virus-sized particles. Taking dust out, not a problem. It can handle that completely. I mean, do you think it's possible that there's no filter there at all? Well, I think it's possible that there's either no filter or maybe he's using one of the fiberglass filters, which, which frankly really doesn't do anything. Doesn't do very much. All right. Well, go in there. Check it out, Dennis, because I bet you it's a simple solution. And if you go with a whole house air cleaner, you'll have to clean far less. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.